Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast, a showcase of the world by graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. I'm Maurice Cherry, and before we get started, I wanted to remind you again about our survey. This is the last week for it. It only takes a few minutes to complete, and your feedback will really help shape the future of Revision Path. Just go to revisionpath.com forward slash survey to fill that out. Also, we're now available on iTunes and Stitcher. Just visit revisionpath.com forward slash iTunes or revisionpath.com forward slash Stitcher to subscribe. Make sure to rate us five stars and leave us a review. The more downloads, subscribers, five-star ratings, and reviews that we get, the more iTunes and Stitcher will help promote the show. This week, I talked with Jacques Dupoux, a designer and developer in Brooklyn, New York. Here we go. Okay, so tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Jacques Zupu, I'm a designer and developer. Um, I run a small studio called Dupo um, Studio, uh, Dupo.is. How did uh, you get started with Dupo? Um, it's been a while in the making. It goes back to like going to going to school for design. I went to Parsons in, in New York for for about two years. Um, before that, I went to Rutgers. Um, I studied film and video. Went to Parsons to study graphic design. I had no money. Uh, somehow uh, I started just learning how to code, just doing websites for people so I could get some cash. And uh, eventually I started working at some pretty um, small studio spaces, and uh, but sort of well-respected studios and small digital startups at the time, web, web studios at the time. Um, and eventually they, they sort of got big, getting a lot of experience. Um, worked for CBS Interactive. Oh, nice. Yeah, there was, it, was, it was a weird experience. Um, it, it was first uh, called CSTV um, Sports. It was a startup. It got bought by CBS um, and then uh, eventually got turned into CBS Interactive. Uh, I worked there as a developer for a really long time, for about eight years. Uh, I used to manage like, a small group of uh, developers just building websites. Uh, it was almost like uh, managing ESPN in a way, except it was just very focused in college sports. And, uh, you know, after a while, I decided, you know what, uh, I don't like doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, just decided, you know what, I'm going to try to do something on my own. And been doing that for the past uh, year and a half now. And it's uh, so far so good. It's been it's going pretty well. You said that working at CBS was weird. Was it just because you went from like a small shop to a, a large corporation? Were there other things that made it kind of a weird experience? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was that was definitely part of it. Uh, you know, when I, the, the students I worked for, the most uh, people they had was like uh, 15. And I went from going, you know, working with 15 people, most of them who I, I, I knew, um, working to a corporation that had, you know, well, it was a startup at the time. Uh, so CSTV had about like, shit, like maybe 300 people. So it was really big. And then once it got bought by C CBS, it became very uh, bureaucratic and uh, just way too large. And uh, it's, just harder, it's just harder to get work done. When you work at a small studio, things go a lot slower. It's a very nice pace. You, could, you have time to actually uh, create things that look good, that are appealing. And once you go to um, a larger corporate world, things have to run a lot faster, especially you know, when you're doing something that's somewhat uh, news-related. Mm -hmm. So things go a lot faster. Um, there's not too much uh, concern about, about quality. It's more about quantity. And so like, trying to manage that, especially you know, for myself, you know, I, I really take, uh, I try to take pride in what I do and you know, like writing clean code, like making sure everything works well and looks good. Um, having to do that in that sort of environment, is, uh, it's tough. 
it's, it's, it's challenging. And then, you know, having to build products that don't have any real value to it, except if you're a sports fan, like, you know, how many, how many sport apps can you, can you make before, you know, you get tired of this? Like, it has like no real value. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, so I mean, that got tiring after a while, like uh, building microsites for Hershey's, like, who cares? <laughs> so you, so it sounds like it was more of a, a production-based sort of thing. I worked at AT&T for two years as a, as a senior web designer. I know exactly what you mean. It sort of takes, <laughs> it takes everything that you love about design and basically turns it into like a big bag. And so yeah. you just, you're yeah. like just cranking it out, just cranking it out. And it's, there's no soul to it. It's yeah, just, no soul. Yeah. Has like no real value. Right. It's like, what do you do? Like, how, anything like, you know, some of these sites, like, you know, they, they get, they get big numbers, but like, what do you do on these sites? Like, what, why? Like, why are we building this? And so I guess with that, that's really kind of a, a big uh, part of why you started your own your own studio right so you can put the, you can sort of get that old feeling back right yeah yeah so i could yeah i could run my own studio i could sort of uh create an environment where we're not building projects just, just you know just so it could be out in the world and people would just consume it what we want to do is create projects or you know build things that have some meaning where you could take your time to create something that's really stellar and also not sort of like buy into this like really crazy uh um tech culture where you know, everyone has to, or this is part of design culture too, depending on where you work, where you have to work like 80 hour weeks mm. um, just to put up a site yeah. that's going to get like 200 hits in a couple of days or, you know, just like these meaningless sites. So like, why, why do that? Why not just try to like build an environment where you could do good work, um, have a good uh, work-life balance and just, you know, just experience life to its fullest. Now, before you, you studied at Parsons, I know you studied communication design at Parsons, you uh, went to Rutgers and you were studying film and video. What sort of started that switch over from film to, I guess, you know, development to where you are now? Uh, well, I always wanted to be a designer. I just didn't know at the time how to go about doing it. Um, so when I was at Rutgers, I actually, you know, they do have a graphic design program. But I always thought you had to be a great illustrator to be a graphic designer. Um, and so I did, I wasn't a great illustrator. I could, I could, you know, I could draw a bit, but I was nowhere near like Picasso or anyone like that. Like, great. So I figured, you know, this is, you know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't be a designer because I can't draw. So I'll just, you know, I'll do video because, you know, video is a great medium. It's, it has, it incorporates design, it incorporates, uh, you know, motion, photography, sound, all these other things that I, you know, I do like. And so I just tried to, try to do that for a while. After I graduated, you know, I did some more research and I figured, oh, you know what, I actually can do design. And so, uh, you know, I applied to, applied to Parsons and I, and I got in and it was great. Let's go back to a little bit before uh, Rutgers. How did you get started? I know you said you kind of always wanted to be a designer. Did you have a really kind of creative childhood? Uh, not really. did stuff like most kids do. Like, you know, kids always like play around, they draw, they, you know, uh, play with toys. So I, I didn't do anything that, that was that um, different than, most, than what most kids did. Um, I did watch a lot of movies. I, I remember um, watching Big and uh, being like, really uh, amazed by like, this dude who's like, making toys for a living. I was like, well, that's, that's so dope. Like, he has a job where he actually can have fun. And then yeah, watching uh, 
Jungle Fever. Yeah, Jungle Fever. Um, Wesley Snipes' character. I can't remember what he was. Was it Architect or something? But he had like yeah. some sort of uh, design position too. And just being like, wow, that's a really cool job to have. Like just, you know, doing something where you, you, know, you get to create things. And, and so I always, you know, mm-hmm. just living in America, you know, you, you're always going to have to have a, you're going to have to work. And uh, I saw how my parents, or my mom in particular, struggled with work. And it didn't look like it was fun. Like I saw, you know, other family members, like, you know, didn't have fun at their jobs. They sort of hated it. And that seemed to be like a, a thing that most people um, had. So, so some sort of common thread with most, excuse me, with most people with their jobs. Like they hated it for the most part. I always thought like, oh, you know, being an adult means you have to have a job. So why not have a job that you like? And so I've always like sort of like tried to geared my, I guess my life in that direction, even at a young age, like, you know, like, all right, if I'm going to get a job, I don't mind if I don't make too much money. I'd rather just like be happy and try to get a job where it doesn't seem like a job where it seems like I'm having fun and something creative where I could be happy. I could, you know, just, you know, I just don't want to be like 45 and be really upset and hate everything in my life. <laughs> Flipper Purify. I remember that movie. I can't believe that movie is 20 years old. Yeah, it's a great I movie, man. 20 years old now. Yeah. Man, that's a great movie. The guy that the guy that does all of uh, Spike Lee's posters, all his movie posters, also oh, a yeah, yeah, designer yeah. named Art Sims. Uh, did you have any mentors that kind of helped you along um, the way? Some of my first uh, interns, um, internships, went on to become uh, jobs. Um I don't want to call them mentors, but I, you know, I sort of looked up to them in some ways. Like I learned a lot from them. Uh, I used to work at uh, Honest um, for a little bit, for about a year. Okay. <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, I actually started out, excuse me, as an intern there. And I was just there for so long that I eventually got a junior designer um, title or designer title. I can't, can't remember which it was. But I saw how they, how they ran their studio. And it was a very small um, group. It was first, uh, when I first went there, it was just three people. Um, they were doing great work, uh, really amazing work. Uh, but they were just like fresh out of school as well. Um, they were maybe a couple years older than I was. Um, and I remember thinking like I had to do like work fast. You know, I was a young student. Um, and I just had this thing in my head. I was like, yeah, I have to do work fast. That's what everyone keeps saying. I have to, I have to work faster. And I had this whole idea, like, you know, as soon as I stepped into this place, I have to just, somehow I have to get, like, really fast about work. And it turned out to be the complete opposite, where, um, I mean, you had to do your work in a timely, in a timely fashion, but they, they gave you enough breathing room just to explore ideas and just come up with stuff. And, you know, as a young kid, uh, as an intern, too, like, giving, like, being handed, like, real projects, um, where you had the space to, uh, to do all that, you know, you have, some, you have space to fail on your own. And, you know, they'll help you um, bring you back up, but also give you, like, um, just give you time like, to, just to do things. I found that amazing. And I saw, like, they worked the same way. Like, it wasn't just, like, they were giving it just to me because I was just the intern. Like, they took time with all the projects that, that, that they worked on. So that became, like, that became mind-blowing to me at, at a very young age. And, and then from there, I worked at, uh, I worked at, um, at Huge for a bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, the owner at the time, he, he's since uh, left uh, the studio or the the agency, but he, he had so much energy and so much passion about, about the work he did. It was almost like, it was very Steve Jobs-like. I never met anyone like this before, where he just gets you like really excited about a project that you couldn't, you, you couldn't do. Um, I mean, like you could do it, but like you had like no sort of like, 
he always like made you believe that <laughs> whatever idea you came up with, like you, you could actually do it as, as crazy as it might be. I just remember having like one experience there that really, um, um, that really changed my mind, uh, which is like sort of mind altering. So yeah, I, I was there and we were like sort of like brainstorming um, ideas for, for websites. I made this mistake. I didn't know it was a mistake at the time. But I was like, yeah, you know, I have this idea, but I'm not sure we can do it. And then uh, the senior designer there at the time, like, come here, I was like, never say that. At huge, we don't think that way. We think, just come up with the idea. If the idea is good, then we'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll find a way to do it. And I found that amazing because most of the time I always, uh, I've seen this with other projects uh, that other people um, do and other designers, uh, where you sort of, uh, you, you set a boundary for yourself with, oh, I can't do this, so I have to work within these parameters. And just to have this idea like, well, don't worry about this parameter, just try to do it. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was like, you know, it's a really small switch in, uh, in your mind, but it's, it's still really powerful. Yeah, so something you were talking about earlier about having the space to fail, I feel like is, is, is so important when you're starting out, not just with design, I think when you're starting out with anything, uh, it's really important to give yourself the space to fail. So you can get better. It's, it reminds me of this, this um, God, what was it? This this uh, thing that Ira Glass had. This, we were talking about storytelling and writing, and it was sort of along the same lines of, of you know, you have to sort of do the work, and yeah. if the first stuff that you're going to do is going to be really bad, but you have to keep doing it so you can get better. It also gives you time to think about what you're doing, and also gives you the time to. You know, make sure you, you make some, uh, something of quality. And, you know, going from that space, again, like, and going to, like, uh, if you fast forward to, like, me working at CBS where you, you had no time for anything. Like, it's just, like, just get, just get it done. Get that shit done. And, you know, that's, that's, that, that sort of a uh, work environment isn't just, uh, that's what I think you'll, you, you'll experience that in most agencies that you go to nowadays where it's not about the quality so much. It's just about getting the, getting the work done and pushing it out there because, you know, there's, uh, you want to make money. You want to keep bringing in more money. It just creates this environment that sort of sucks. This sucky-ass environment that you now have to work in. And, like, you know, it sort of is, like, crushing and defeating your spirit. <laughs> and it's, who wants to do that? It, it sucks. What, what keeps you motivated and inspired to do the work that you do? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I just like doing the work. One, like I, I really enjoy like being creative. Um, I guess what inspires me is just like talking to other people, um, close friends who, um, who aren't designers at all, but are working on other projects, um, other creative projects. You know, some musicians um, just making music on their own and like, you know, um, going at it for like years. You know, sounding like it's making amazing work that gets almost no credit. Like you probably won't never hear of them. But you know, hopefully one day you do. Just this passion that they have behind their work and this uh, passion for the craft. I find that inspiring. Um, I have a lot of friends. Uh, I have some friends who you know, do comics. And again, it's the same thing, like this, this dedication to, to the craft and just the uh, dedication to the process that I, I find very inspiring. Even though we don't do anything related. Or, you know, I guess comics and graphic design, because you can relate it in some way. But it's just, uh, I find that inspiring. Just people who, who just take the time to, to really work on their craft and... and, and and you know, just make it good, like very, like amazing, amazingly good. You're in in New York City. Are you originally from there? Uh, I was born in Queens and then moved to Jersey when I was about eight years old. Yeah. So, but I've always been between these uh, Jersey and, and and New York. How is the design scene in New York? <laughs> um, 
it's it's good. Uh, oh, you can give me a better answer. Than that. <laughs> you can't just yeah. be like, oh, it's good. There's 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 something else there. You, you can open up. Tell no, me. It's, tell it's, me. I, I find it. I find it weird. In in some ways, you know, like it's it's great if you're a designer because there's there's a whole bunch of influence influences. Like it's 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 a great city to be in. Crazy museums, like crazy shows, like there's there's so much to do here, and all of it's all of it's inspiring. Or a lot of it is. And if you and if thinking just about experience, good or bad experiences, like you can have plenty of them in New York, um, and it's great being a black designer in in, in this field. Excuse me. That's a little weird because just, you know, there's not too many of us out here. I mean, when I say out here, I mean actually employed with, uh, within design agencies or studios. And just having to sort of navigate through that space, you know, can get gets a little bit weird. And also just... How so? Well, just the idea of uh, how language, if, if design is about language and communication, uh, just sometimes uh, the view from a lot of these... Uh, the feeling I get from a lot of these uh, agencies and uh, studios, or just just the design community in general, is this idea that you know um, there's there's this utopia feeling, <laughs> this utopia like feeling that uh, this world is perfect, and look at this wonderful world that we've created. We make beautiful things, but it's also at the exclusion of uh, uh, black and Latino folks. So. It's a little weird, and it's something where I don't think uh, this is something where I think a lot of uh, studios or I guess the design community in general it doesn't seem like it, it, it likes to own up to. And you think about like a, a very uh, posh-like culture or waspy culture, you know. I think sometimes I feel the design community definitely is that. You have your, you know, there's definitely like these uh, hierarchies um, that play out. You know, you have to navigate through that that world somehow. Either either you have no idea that it even exists, but and you know maybe you have no idea that it exists, and you, you can live comfortably within it. I think if you're a designer, if you're a designer and trying to get into this field, and and you have any uh, any experience, then you you'll, you'll you'll quickly notice what sort of designs or or, or designers are kind of looked at, or, or I guess up on the hierarchy, the sort of work that they're doing. You know, it's good work. Sort of like what it sort of talks to and how it communicates and the sort of uh, aesthetics that it uses. This language that they're trying to, to, to communicate with is something that, for some reason, they feel either black folks can't do because they're not, they're not waspy in any ways, they're not rich, they're, not, they're, just, they're just not those things. Or they're afraid of, uh, of a black designer who's uh, maybe too black. Um, for them, and by that I mean like someone who might. This is just a, a stereotype. I, I'm not saying it as something I think. Like uh, they might think that uh, you know a black designer might uh, go out, go out and start like putting uh, 40 ounce bottles on uh, some design, or <laughs> or start you know like oh this is such a great piece and just like put some graffiti on this and make it more you know make it better. So it's it's. I, I, I think they they're they're afraid of uh, of black designers um, using uh, maybe black vernacular or or, or or whatnot. I don't I don't I don't know exactly. So it, it kind of sounds like there might be a fear of design being interpreted. Well, I, I want to say interpreted through a black lens, but even that black lens, I think, from what you're telling me, it might be viewed in a very stereotypical fashion. Like it might be, you know, gold chains and. And baggy street clothes and things. Yeah, like that. yeah, and you know it's it's a 
and you know, not not that everyone does this. It's 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 just very. It's just hard to navigate through that space. And I, I think like when you do have um, designers who are successful, or black designers who are successful, they're they're black designers who who can talk or communicate in a vernacular that isn't black, and that could do that well. They they somehow um, learn how to. I want to say hide their blackness because that that sounds it sounds wrong, <laughs> but. Um, they, they've maybe learned to, uh, shit, I guess maybe that's the best way to explain it. Hide, hide the, the blackness, hide their, <laughs> hide their blackness in ways to make, uh, you know, I guess, uh, uh the white overlords more comfortable. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. um, <clears throat> now I, I feel like, so, so design is really sort of becoming this more eclectic thing. I think at, at least within the past 15 years or so. It has because of technology. So technology has really standardized a lot of things, which, you know, in design, I think we're more so of a national or regional thing. Like now, anyone can really use Photoshop. Anyone can use Illustrator. Not saying that these are, are tools that have to be used to do design, but certainly technology has helped standardize them in this field as tools that, that you would use. And I feel like designers of color might be benefiting from those changes, but I don't think it's it's still in a very equal fashion in terms, well, not equal, let me not say equal. They're probably not benefiting from it in a fashion that lets their work be seen, that lets it be visible, that that sort of puts them on the same stage or playing field. Um, well, I mean, even to get like, to get Photoshop nowadays, you have to pay what, like 50 bucks? For the creative oh, studio, yeah, if you do the, the creative yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you know, unless you're getting part of the software, which you know, that's that's. I'm not against that at all. If, you, if that's what you need to do, <laughs> no, yeah. come on, because like you know, fifty dollars a month is a lot of money. That's true. Even though I think the student price is maybe like thirty. But still, yeah, that's, yeah. So that's a barrier already, like to for some people. And so yeah, if you could pirate it, yeah, go ahead and do that. But assuming that you're not pirating the software, then that becomes a barrier in itself. You know, I'll give you a perfect example. Actually, when I was a student in a when I was a student in a design school, we always had these projects we had to spend money on. And you know, I was I was broke, man. I was I had like very little money. Like if I had twenty bucks for a week, that was like that was a good week. So we had this one project where you know the teacher assigned us like to take all these photos in this this Hulga camera and to develop these black and white films like cost like fifteen to twenty bucks, and you have to develop like two or three rolls. And to do this for a project, and the project was due like in two weeks. Like I didn't have money to like buy film, get it developed, and so I couldn't do this project. And so, um, <laughs> I mean, that was a barrier. I couldn't like, how do I do this project? I, I couldn't. It's like it was almost close to a hundred dollars, which I couldn't afford at the time. I had no parents to give it to me, <clears> or <throat> oh, my mom couldn't afford to give that to me. It was like way too much. So, you know, I, I talked to the professor uh, and it's like, look, like, I, I can't do this. Like, I, have, I really have no money to do this at all. Like, I literally, I literally have no money. And at the time, I, I was like biking to school. I wouldn't even take the subways in, in uh, Manhattan. The teacher was like, she, she, she did not care at all. She was just like, you know what? She, she well, she, she brought up how she was from, uh, she, her parents grew up in Nazi camps and how like they, they survived. And so I shouldn't care, you know, Look at my experience, like you having to pay $100 to do this does not mean shit to me. Just get it done. Ugh. Yeah, so it was like, I mean, it's, how, do you, like, how do you navigate through that? Like that was my experience. Like that's, I'm sure most, a lot, there's plenty of other kids that, that have similar experiences where, you know, you have to get a project done and there's, there's these 
these requirements behind it that like spending like real cash that you can't just you you can't you can't shell out for you just can't i mean yeah i mean photoshop is is about even technology like to even to buy a computer you could you could get windows but you know you want to start um playing on macs macs are you know macs are pretty expensive yeah and then you have to buy programs for that for that mac like shit's expensive this is a, it's a very expensive field to get into like directly especially when you have no cash and you have like, very little money that's true that's very true so for people let's say let's say you were to give advice for someone that wants to start out in this field what would you tell them like let's say specifically a black designer what would you tell them just keep oh damn i would say just read up on the history of design you have the internet which is a great way to learn about how to do things especially nowadays it seems like every sort of resource that wasn't available when i was in school is on the internet if you can go to go to go to a library get books on design uh learn from the great masters learn about how to use grids um, learn about typography, typography more than anything. Not just the actual, um, you know, fonts, but just learn about spacing, kerning, like you know, just the the meat, the meat and potatoes behind design. Don't don't think about style so much. Style style comes and goes. You don't you don't need that at all. Um, if you have good fundamentals, then you'll you'll get really far in, in this uh, design practice. I mean, that's just starting out. Once 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 you start, if you get further than that, just try to make as many mistakes as you can just keep exploring don't buy into trends and uh, <laughs> i don't know i think that's probably a good place to start from there i i, I wouldn't know like uh I, I don't i really don't know how to advise someone to to go into into the practice if you if you have to, if one of the barriers is uh going to a design school just say apply just just figure it out <laughs> just kind of like a, a trial and error yeah i wish i could give like something more concrete than that but like if if you want to go to you know if you're really interested in doing the design work, I, I'd say I would, I'd say first try to go to one of these schools, um, you know Parsons, SVA. If you can't do that, um, take a design course online. And if you can't do it, just just try to read up as much as you can. Like I, I'm all, I'm all about just trying to figure stuff out on your own. Like I didn't I didn't go to school to to program at all. Like I, I learned that on my own. There's these wonderful classes nowadays. But when I was starting, like getting that sort of information was like that was like that was so hard. Really hard. You have to yeah. buy a book, if anything. And those books were like, books are even hard to get too. Mm-hmm. Just if you want to do it, man. If you have the passion for it, you'll you'll find a way. I, I totally agree with that. I know when I was learning uh, design, like I grew up in in like the deep south, like deep south, dirt road country, and we had a bookstore, but the bookstore didn't have any computer books. It was mostly like romance novels and shit like that. Yeah. And, and the nearest bookstore where you could buy a computer book was over 50 miles away. Um, <laughs> so what did you exactly. do? Well, so I started sort of learning about design and, and coding and things because my mother worked at a community college and the community college had a computer lab. So there was access to the Internet, but I didn't have any books. The library that they had there had like a handful of books, but it was on stuff like Fortran and COBOL and basic, yeah. it wasn't on HTML or anything. So I learned, like you said, about um, having the space to fail and making mistakes. I would pull up a website. I would look at the source code. Yeah, this yeah. Was, that's a great way to do it. This was, we're talking, yeah, we're talking like mid nineties here. This is like 95, 96. So there's not really any books yeah. out to teach you how to like make a website. There, there really weren't even any tutorials online to teach you how to make a website. It was a lot of 
trial and error and seeing what worked and what didn't work. And it wasn't until, like, I didn't have a computer until I got to college, which was in, like, 99, 2000. And it was right around that time that I got my first uh, programming book. Well, my first HTML programming yeah. book. So I, I completely know what you mean. Like, you have to really get out there and try to find it. But it's, uh, depending on what your circumstances are, it can be really difficult to just make that step. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, for real. Are, are there any personal projects that you're working on right now? Um, well, the, the way my studio works is um, every, every sort of project is, is getting funneled through the studio. So, you know, we have client work. We have uh, projects that we sort of just want to do, I guess, you know, personal projects. Um, so like, uh, there's, um, uh, I'm trying to work, uh, trying to do a video, um, for a musician, uh, a couple of months now. Um, we're still like in the pre-stages, uh, just coming up with ideas and, and, uh, doing some rewrites. So that's, that's one project. Um, I'm also doing a project for, um, a music-based project where we have, uh, right now the, the tentative name is, is just three by three by three. Um, that's not the final name, but it's uh, getting uh, three MCs um, and just having them each rap three tracks and then uh, all behind one producer and uh, having uh, just sort of trying to release it in a very non-practical way, just, uh, just on a website, the free download and just trying to come up with a compelling way to uh, have someone experience that music. So that's, that's another project. Um, and there's, there's, there's um, client work that we're working on also. Yeah, it's still in the three stages. I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping is that we, we have enough time where we could, we have enough time where we could actually execute them like really well and uh, to become, you know, just become fun projects to take on and just uh, maybe like explore some uh, different UX ideas or just interaction ideas uh, through them. So hopefully that, yeah, hopefully it'll, it'll work out. Where do you see yourself uh, within the next five years or so? Um... <laughs> I don't know, just living comfortably. By comfortable, I mean just, uh, you know, I have enough to eat. I could, you know, feed my small family <laughs> um, and just uh, continue doing what I want to do. Um, I, I think one of my, my bigger goals um, is just to be, you know, to be happy. But to me, that means um, being able to sort of make my own, uh, make my own time and uh, do what it is that I really want to do and not just do it for someone else and do it for someone else's uh, um, recognition. So, you know, again, like when I was working before, like working for uh, CBS, uh, the big problem I had was just like, man, like I'm, I'm spending all this energy, this great energy that I have. And I don't, we, all, we all have this energy, right? We all, you know, we're all creatives in some way. And we all have like this, you know, if you're a designer, if you're, you're someone who codes, you, you, have this, uh, you have this power. And to use that sort of power and energy to produce something that's somewhat meaningless is like a waste, right? Like, I don't know, I think about like, uh, <laughs> think about like where our talented minds are like just spending, you know, spending their time on. We have these great mathematicians working up um, ways to, to uh, game the stock system so that some people can make millions in minutes or in seconds, in milliseconds. We have designers creating the next, uh, a better looking Tide box so people can actually are more compelled to buy it. And then you have, you know, some programmers programming, you know, microsites for, you know, Hershey's campaign or Dr. Pepper campaign or, or, or whatnot. And so, you know, you have this, all this energy that's being wasted on, on, meaningless, on meaningless things. So it's, uh, my long-term goal is hopefully we could, uh, I could 
sort of divert some of that energy, in my energy in particular, and people who are, you know, are higher and are bringing as interns as uh, just working on projects that have some sort of meaning. And, you know, maybe giving back to the community. Like, we, we talked about, uh, so I'm going on, on a little bit of a tangent here. No, go ahead. Um, but we talked about uh, just the idea of uh, getting more blacks into, into the design field, black Latinos in particular. What's, what I find very funny is that, you know, we have these agencies that are, you know, creative agencies and like they're, they're supposed to be making money off of, you know, being creative. But they can't come up with ways on how to, how to get black interns or black Latino interns or even just or, or people into that culture. Right. So like, how, how do you how can you call yourself a creative then? Like, it's a very simple thing to do, at least to me. If uh, I'll tell you about a project that we're trying to do here, uh, for example. Okay. Now, I'm a small studio. I don't have a lot of money. I don't bring in that much. I, have, I bring in enough where you know, I could you know, feed myself and maybe hire a couple of designers. But even then, like, there's, there's some, some power with that, right? If we need more designers, more black Latino designers in the field, we could bring them in as interns. And this is something we're, we're, we're trying to do right now. Um, bring them in as interns, give them a real project to work on, right? You have a lot of nonprofits, probably in uh, your area. In, I know in New York, we're, we're littered with a whole bunch of nonprofits who, who don't have, who can't hire a full-time designer, who can't hire a full-time uh, um, developer to help them with uh, uh, creating a new website. So our idea is to maybe, is to take, you know, bring in these interns, a black Latino intern, who doesn't have too much experience in, in, in the design world or development world yet, um, have them work on a real live project with a nonprofit who probably can't afford a, you know, an agency fee. Um, maybe they could afford just to pay these uh, interns, right? And that's not going to cost too much. And have, you know, the, have you know, uh, a mentor or someone who could sort of guide them through the whole process and have them build like a complete site and now they have real world experience, real work experience, they have a site where they could actually go out into the world and maybe get a job with. I mean, it's just it's a small building block. It's a small step, but it's, just, it's at least a step in the right direction where either they could find out, you know what, I don't like designing, I don't like developing, um, and I don't want to go this way. Or they find out, you know, I, I, I do like this enough where I could, I could take this and I could build something else with it. It's, it's really easy to take like, these really small steps to, to like, bring in um, black and Latino developers, designers into this world, into this creative field. It's just uh, just trying to come up with a way to do it or taking up the time to do it. I think most of these places, they, they're, they're so concerned about, about money, about making money, and so they don't want to take the time out to do that. Yeah, they don't have the space to fail. Yeah, exactly. So anyone that sort of comes in, they've got to like, get it like on the first try, it seems like. Yeah, and there's this idea that, and I see this more in the tech world, um, where we can only... I feel, like that's, I feel like that's such a contradiction, though. No, it is, it is, it is. I think it's a complete contradiction. Like, what, 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 something else I see in the tech world is that, uh, they, you know, they always have this idea of, like, oh, we want rock star designers or we want rock star developers, right? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it gives no... It's like you have to come in and be great already before you can even get a job. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Like how the fuck yeah. does that happen? How does that work? Why can't you? <laughs> why can't you just get like a dude who who just really who's really passionate about learning, to, uh, you know, pair him up with a really great developer, and then they learn together. Or this this uh, younger dude just learns from that one developer. That's that's how that's how it works. And if you're and if, if you're thinking about cost, like if like cost is a main issue or even an issue, 
you save so much from doing that because you could bring an intern or not an intern, but you know, a, a young developer, and you could pay him like at half the cost, and you get that person to actually learn on the job. It's like what the dude just do that. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's 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 real funny you mentioned that. I have a cousin uh, who is graduating from Carnegie Mellon pretty soon. And he's kind of going through that that same problem where like he's trying to find work, like postgraduate work, but it's like they want you to come in and have all this experience and have done all these things, but it's like, well, when have I had time to do that? I've been in school. Right. When when right. have I had time to 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 become this rock star designer when I'm still learning, like I'm still a year out. Like wh- where do I have time for this? So that that thing about having that space to fail, I think that that creates a contradiction for up and coming designers to to really become good in this field, to become, you know, to work for big agencies and work for big companies. Uh, if you have to come in already being the best. Yeah, exactly. That can be a, a, a real problem. Well, let's, I don't want to end this off on a, on a completely dour. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what kind of what what music are you listening to nowadays? What uh, what TV shows are you watching? Stuff like that. Um, I just started watching. Oh damn, what's that new show on HBO with uh, Woody Harrelson and uh, True Detective? True Detective. Yeah, I just started watching that. Um, that's really great. Besides, I mean, besides that, I don't really watch too much TV. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I actually got finished just watching uh, House of Cards. Yeah, that okay. was cool. Music wise, um, I'm just I used to DJ a lot. I'm starting to get back into it. I, I try to collect the uh, old records. Um, mm-hmm. I'm into a lot of Brazilian um, records, uh, a lot of funk. Also, uh, that uh, jazz fusion. That's uh, Bobby okay. Humphreys. Oh, I, I love Bobby Humphreys. Uh, new music, uh, mainly. I'm really. No, I come from the East Coast, so you know, there's this uh, idea of. Uh, not say I, I don't. I don't buy into this, but this idea of like you know, hip hop star on the East Coast and. It, East Coast has to go these great lyrical rappers. But I'm really impressed, especially like the past like couple of years, um, maybe five, six years really, of the talent that's come out of LA. Like there's like so many great rappers coming from there. Um and, you know, um Tally the Creator is, is really good. Uh Kendrick Lamar is amazing. Um other people from the Odd Future Camp, um, um Earl Sweatshirt. Like lyrically these these guys are just like killing it. They're they're I don't see anyone in New York that could compare these guys. Uh, just in the youthful spirit, um, which is something I feel like hip-hop was missing for a very long time. This, uh, this sort of, you know, this idea like, you know, you can make, uh, again, making mistakes as a, as a, young, as a young kid and being uh, completely, uh, um, in some ways, in a bad way, misogynistic about uh, your views on, on women and, and whatnot. But, you know, just... Also being playful about it, you know. Um, anyway, it's 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 a really weird combination. Yeah, I'm just impressed by the music coming out from the from the West Coast uh, right now. Just to wrap things up, where can our readers find out more about you online? Um, you can check out my website, uh, dupo.is. That's d-u-p-o dot i-s. You can, I guess, follow me on Twitter at j d u p o u x, um, or just uh, I guess hit me up on email if you want to ever talk. Um, or I guess maybe Twitter works better. But if you want to hit me up on email, it's uh, Jacques, J-A-C-Q-U-E-S, at D-U-P-O dot is. Yeah, um, if you're a black designer and just want some direction or just need some help or just want some advice, just just hit me up and I'm 
free to talk. Sounds good. All right. Jacques, thank you again so much uh, for taking time out of your day. I think it's been a really good interview, especially a lot of the stuff that we talked about with black designers and diversity in this field. It's been, uh, it's been really great. Thank you. Oh, thank you, man. All right. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Jacques Dupu and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to take our survey at revisionpath.com forward slash survey and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Revision Path is a 318 media project. If you like what we're doing with these podcasts, you can help sponsor the show. Contact information will be included in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.